This week on The Outlaw Lawyer, Joe and I talk about famous cases in the news. We talk Varsity Blues, R. Kelly, Real Housewives. Next. And now, the Supreme Court has said unanimously this was wrong. Fact-based. Your belief at the time doesn't necessarily jive with what the actual law is. Reasonable. Informative. Now, if you take in facts and you think about them and you don't jump to a instant opinion, you're the outlaw. And now, Outlaw Lawyer with Josh Whitaker. The Outlaw Lawyers on the air. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, your host, managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. 46 combined years of experience between these two and offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, and Fuquay Verena, and soon to be Gastonia. So basically throw a stone and you're going to hit an office. And if you've got a legal question, we're probably going to talk about some form or fashion of it on the program each and every week. But if you want to get in touch with the firm, ask the question in person, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. You can also email questions to the show. We'll use them on future programs. And that's questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate. And again, when it comes to the legal, family law, criminal and traffic, personal injury, estate planning administration, real estate closings, big part of their business. And folks, we get into all the top stories, which is always a lot of fun. So guys, what are we going with this week? Well, Morgan, it's it's uh, it's nice to be with you. Before we get into the to meat of this thing, I understand uh, my friend Joseph is very tired today uh, for this recording. And, and and Joe, I figured we'd ask you, why are you so tired today? What what mega event did you attend that that put you under the weather this morning? Hey guys, um, yeah, pretty pretty tired today, man. I'm dragging, so forgive me for for dragging, but. Uh, I was at the the Harry Styles concert. <laughs> um, <laughs> what? <laughs> big big fan, uh, big fan. Have the chest tattoo of Harry uh, on my yeah. chest. Um, no, I, not a big fan. Uh, not took my took my little girl uh, okay. to the Harry Styles concert. That's all. She's nice. really not. She's not really a big fan either. My niece is the big fan, so she, I took her as well. Mm. And um, man, popular fellow that yes. Harold Harold Styles is. Uh, I've been to con. I've been to concerts with that with screamy young women. I mean, I've been to several. Uh, I'm not proud to admit this was the screamiest of the screamy concerts. Uh, I don't know if it's the, I don't know if it's the acoustics of PNC or what it was, but uh, you know, if you've ever been to a concert where people are really amped up, whenever you, whenever people, you like when anything happens when the, when you're waiting for the band to come out, you get that those kind of. The, the cheers and anticipation and so there was like one level of screaming as there was movement before the band came out like band members start coming out and you get this deafening like just squeal and then when this guy comes out man it goes to another level and i it was like my whole entire brain i think i'm concussed honestly but my whole brain <laughs> every fabric of my being just vibrating and there's just i think i have tinnitus now as well so if i can't hear you there's a, I just hear the Harry Styles screaming in my head constantly. It's well, going to haunt me forever. I was just going to say there's a crossover with the sports world. Apparently, Styles is very good friends with Aho and Svechnikov, and they play golf in the area. And they posted, uh, you know, they put something up on Instagram, and the Canes fans went bananas. He's he's a big deal, man. Watermelon sugar. I mean, everybody knows that song, and and obviously the uh, the teenage girls were present at that concert. So Joe, that that show that's that's appropriate for all ages. I know I saw some news. I I didn't know what, uh, the song. I don't know any. I didn't know who Harry Styles was. Someone had to tell me, 
And then uh, I didn't know this watermelon sugar song, but that was in the news this week about what the song means. But I'm assuming this was uh, this was an age appropriate show for your daughter. Yeah, yeah, age appropriate. I think he said like one minor curse word. Uh, it was. I'd say it was age appropriate. I think the kids. I think the kids just think that song's about watermelon sugar, Josh. Uh, I, think that, <laughs> I don't think they're. I don't think they're digging into the. Uh, I don't think they're digging into the nuance of it like that. But uh, yeah, age appropriate. I'd say there was a wide range of young women, primarily young women fans. Not a ton of. Uh, there were some hardcore men fans there too. But I mean, he really spoke to the people, man. I, I've been to a lot of concerts, and the level of just amped that people were was impressive to see and uh i don't necessarily get it didn't it didn't necessarily it didn't really sell me uh but uh yeah man he he's he's got his finger on the pulse of women ages eight to 60 i'd say (laughs) the uh so last week i went to kind of the opposite of of a harry styles concert so i went to the alabama concert which is i think probably has the exact opposite uh crowd than harry styles no screaming women at the alabama concert no no some very excited uh i was i was excited you know but uh you know i grew up listening to alabama yep and so when i saw they were gonna have the fifth it was i think they had the 50th year reunion tour but their 50th year anniversary was actually last year so i think this was like a covid delayed uh kind of thing but it, those guys are in their late 70s and they still got it it's still it's still alabama but yes no it was a very quiet concert i don't think anybody was standing like if someone was standing during a song like everybody was looking at him it was kind of odd like this was a sit down and everybody politely and quietly enjoy you know the song stylings of alabama so i think it was a vastly different experience than what you had i've got a quick alabama story for you so my i guess radio media career started in myrtle beach and the when I got there in the late '80s, the you know the, the stories about Alabama playing at the Bowery, which is down at the old Pavilion. Oh yeah, they were legendary, and they started out as a bar band. And two of the band members lived in a trailer park next to uh, what was the WKZQ studios, and they were they they didn't have any money. And in the off season, they would they were there and they were playing different bars. But um, the program director at the time would go over and give them packets of the fast food cards where they could get free meals. And, oh. they, and they basically lived off of those cards during the off-season because they weren't making any money. And then, yeah. like, the next year, they went to this program director and they said, look, we think we've got something here. Would you want to manage us? And so this program director, who's probably making six figures back in the day, and that's a lot of money in the radio business, went to the GM and said, I'm going to try this. And the GM said, hey, I understand. Go ahead and try it. And if it doesn't work, you can come back. Uh, obviously, Alabama hit. and They did. And he managed them uh, for the bulk of their careers. But uh, And they would always come back once a summer and take the entire station up to Calabash for food. I mean, Alabama, that, that was a solid, solid group. But they got, they got their first airplay right there on WKZQ. Yeah, it's interesting. I you know the, I don't think the kids today they don't know how big Alabama was in the early '80s. It was Huge. all Alabama. Yeah. You know what they do know though, Josh? They know how to scream really loud <laughs> for Harry Styles and uh, and bounce around. There was a lot of bouncing, not a lot of. There was a lot of standing, but there was also a lot of bouncing. That's apparently <laughs> what you do at the Harry Styles concert. You just again, bounce I, in place. Again, that was uh, again not happening. Not happening in Alabama. That was. Uh, that was very. It was a very relaxing uh, show, but yeah, but might I at least right? Just some at least some bobbing. 
Oh, yeah. Maybe some slight, some slight head bobbing. But all right. Well, here on the Outlaw Lawyer, as you may know, we try to pick uh, legal items, legal news out of the news cycle and kind of dissect it like attorneys would, maybe give it a different treatment than your mainstream media would. And so this week, Joe and I thought we'd take a look at three cases that people keep asking me about. Like, so if I'm visiting with friends or out, I keep getting asked about these cases and I actually didn't know very much about them. Uh, so I kind of took a look at them this week, but the first thing that we're going to address this varsity blues case that's been, or cases it's a, that have been going on for a while. And they were, they were in the public's eye in March, April, May, June of, of last year. Some, some of the parents caught up in the scandal were pleading two of the, the first two parents that, uh, defendants that went to trial that happened this week and they were, they were found guilty. And so, uh, Joe, I don't know how much you've been keeping up with the Varsity Blues, uh, but we're going to spend some time talking about that today. Yeah, man, I've been keeping a, a, up with it about 0%, um, but uh, I have brushed up on it. I, you know I do my research, Josh. Um, the, the the thing, I heard about it first through uh, Lori Laughlin of uh, yeah. Full House fame. That was, the, that was the first I really heard about it, and I know there's been a lot of development since then, but uh, very interesting case, man. It, it's really a window into how a lot of these – a lot of these, the more wealthy, higher class, uh, upper echelon of society uh, kind of skirts the rules and does things a little different than us common folk. The next one I wanted to pick out and talk about is one that I've been asked about 20 million times, you know, just, a, hey, you're a lawyer. I'm going to ask you about the, the top legal thing on my brain, and it's what happened. It was R. Kelly's case, so the R. Kelly case, which I went back and looked at how much stuff has been going on over the past 20 years 25 years and it's amazing if it's all true you know how, how nothing happened until here recently but um, i'm sure joseph you're a little bit younger than me but r kelly i think probably transcended my generation and your generation so you you're probably familiar with a, a couple of his songs yeah very familiar with r kelly uh very very familiar same as you man it's amazing there's been a lot of smoke surrounding r kelly for several several years i mean almost since decades since he came out and uh no very popular artist uh in my youth and um you know you don't hear obviously he's he's not doing a whole lot these days and i think he's got from what i can tell a, a bad time coming for him here shortly but uh yeah um it, it's amazing it's amazing the level of accusations and and the time period this persists over and some real interesting accusations against R. Kelly. So well, we, and we'll get into that. Yeah, I was going to jump in and just say for everybody out there that's listening, R. Kelly. And and again, I did notice that Josh did a lot of research um, just looking <laughs> at the notes. But uh, Space Jam, I Believe I Can Fly. Uh, that's oh, yeah. his song. And um, so a lot of people will know that song. And so that's R. Kelly. The the last one I wanted to talk about is one that I actually had to look up because I don't know anything. I didn't know anything about it. I've probably been asked 10 times in the past couple of weeks. Um, I don't follow the Real Housewives. Uh, I don't I don't follow any of that. I never saw Aaron Brockovich, but Thomas Girardi uh, stealing money from his clients. Uh, I, it sounds like maybe his wife's on Real Housewives. I, I think it's Beverly Hills. I don't I don't know which one it is. Uh, but we took a look at that because I get asked about it a lot. And uh, so we'll talk about that one, too. I'm not judging if you do enjoy The Real Housewives. I enjoy professional wrestling, so I can't judge anybody's uh, uh, taste in entertainment. So I'm not talking down to anybody. I just don't know much about it. Joe, I, 
you a big fan, Real Housewives? Not a big fan, Josh, but you just gave me a great idea. Crossover, Real Housewives slash wrestling. Put them together, and I think you have hope on your hands. And then, if we have time, we've got a couple of listener questions we can tackle. Um, but that's that's what I got mapped out for us today. So hopefully that's uh, people who ask me in the future about these cases. I'll be ready to talk about them. All right, so first up, guys, we'll do Varsity Blues coming up on the other side. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, managing partners, Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, 46 combined years experience. And again, offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, and Fuquay, Verena, and soon to be in Gastonia. If you've got a legal question of your own, give this number a call, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186, and an attorney will be in touch with you, and you can ask those questions in person. Also, if you've got a question for the show, we'll use it on a future show, questions at the Outlaw Law. You can always check us out on the web, theoutlawlawyer.com. We're back right after this. Lawyers on the air. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. 46 combined years experience. We talk legalese each and every week. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate. Offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, and Fuquay, Verena, and soon to be in Gastonia. And if it's got anything to do legal, we're talking about it. Family law, criminal and traffic, personal injury, estate planning and administration, real estate closings. Uh, folks, there are a lot of categories there. If you've got a legal question, you can always phone the show, leave a message, detailed message, and a number to get in touch, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. So we had some fun in segment number one, just kind of all over the place with what we're going to talk about. But we're going to start with Varsity Blues. By the way, uh, did you like that movie when it came out? I, I thought it was interesting that you picked Varsity Blues as your lead-in title. Uh, Morgan, I have... I've never seen Varsity Blues. You're not missing much. Okay. Look, guys, <laughs> I, I think there's a generational gap between <laughs> between all of us. And uh, Varsity Blues was really a seminal film <laughs> for for my generation. Came out in 1999, starring uh, one of the great actors of our time, James Vanderbeek. Foot, uh, in, foot, in foot, football is not uh, my Paul life. Paul Walker, Paul Walker, <laughs> uh, God rest his soul, and um. Man, I, I don't know. I, I guess I have nostalgia and, you know, fine memories of that time period of my life, and that probably makes me reflect on it a little with a little bit more, you know, admiration than you guys do. I, I haven't seen it since in, in my adult years, so I, I'm sure it would suffer, but I'm not going to go back and watch it, man. I'm going to choose to remember it <laughs> as my high school self. And um, I'm going to take those memories to the grave, man. Solid film is what I'm calling it. Well, apparently the popular people at that high school could possibly, uh, and if their parents had enough money, uh, they might be able to go to any school that they want. And that's that's kind of what you guys are going to get into. Yeah. So the media has has dubbed all these cases, and I think there's almost 60 defendants who have been charged, uh, but they've kind of called this the Varsity Blues scandal. Uh, Joe, when I was growing up, real quick, when I was growing up, the program, did you ever see the program? That was the big football movie when I was coming up. Yeah, I've seen the program. I, I was, a as a high school football, I'm not going to say star, player, uh, as a high school football player, any, all of these movies, we, we watched them. We'd, uh, anytime, we, you know, our high school football team was in the playoffs or anything in the, in the code, we had to be at the school more so than, than usual. The coaches would always pull out movies and we'd put them on. So all, every football movie there is. I mean, remember the Titans came out in that time period. I remember we saw that. So we pretty much any 
movie dealing with football uh, I, I saw during that period. And, and I'll tell you, man, Varsity Blues is easily – it's up there in the top three or four of all of those films. Soundtrack makes it. I mean, that's about it, though. I mean, soundtrack. Program versus Varsity Blues, who are you taking? Uh, I would take Varsity Blues. I mean, Program was okay. Yeah, I take Varsity Blues as well, man. Yeah, you gotta. I, I don't think you're giving. I don't think you're giving Varsity Blues. Uh, we haven't seen Varsity Blues, Josh. So you need to go. I think we need to pause. Mm, pizza night. I think you need to go watch it. <laughs> pizza night. Pizza we, night. We come were, back. You got. You got some classic moments in, in Varsity Blues, man. And you've got the real kids versus the 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 jerk of a coach. That's always a good dynamic to 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 take in a movie. I'll remind you that I've read the Mad Magazine version of Varsity Blues. <laughs> I have a. I have a recollection. I know what happens, generally speaking. But anyway, might I digress? So the Varsity Blues, we haven't really talked about it on the show. Uh, but yeah, uh, people of means, I guess that's the that's the narrative. People uh, in, that, in that higher echelon of society, like Joseph said, have come up with ways uh, to get their kids into, into school that kind of bypass the normal test and athletic uh, prowess uh, ways that folks like my kids are going to have to to do to to get into school but uh I've I've seen his name William Singer I've seen it Rick Singer so this was an admissions consultant who would be put in touch with um a parent who was trying to get their kid who otherwise I guess wouldn't make it into most of them were west coast schools I think Southern Cal and um, I saw a couple of schools there out in UCLA um, but this guy would find ways to get their kids into college and it looked like most of the avenues were you know, B-level, you know, not your main uh, sports. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what you guys have seen, but I saw, you know, uh, rowers and uh, cross country. So we'd have these kids. They just basically make up qualifications, get them in under this athletics admission, which was a lower bar. And then they would never really contribute to that. And I think a lot of them didn't even finish school from what I looked. But I don't know how much you've seen on this, Joe. Yeah, that's basically my understanding of it as well. You know, sham, basically sports that these individuals didn't really participate in. They didn't have skill in. Uh, they just did it, and then they'd pay massive bribes in connection with that. And that's really where they get in trouble at, the bribe, the bribery and the fraud. That's the, the legal angle where they really run afoul here. And uh, But, yeah, that was basically the, the scheme. And, um, Man, a lot of people, uh, a lot of a lot of the upper echelon, like you said, a lot of folks took advantage of this and paid substantial sums of money to get their kids. Here's what I don't understand, man. If you've got enough money, if you're if you're able to pay a million dollars to buy your kids' way into to, to college, why do your kids need to go to college? <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought too, man. They could start running the family business or, or hey, something. Exactly. You know? I don't. I mean, is it just? I don't. I, I'm sure they at this, you know, with with convictions coming down and with more development, you know, you've had you've had a lot of the defendants have 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 pled and taken plea deals. Some of them have gotten, you know, from parole all the way up to nine months in prison. I'm sure none of these people feel like it, it, at the end of the day it was worth it. I, I wonder, you know, so and it sounds like if I've got my numbers are right, what I read was right. Fifty seven people were charged in this varsity blue scandal. Forty seven have already pleaded guilty. And like you said, Joe, some of them got 11, I think what Felicity Huffman got 11 days in, in, in a federal penitentiary. What did Lori, what did Full House late Lori do? What did she get? Do you remember? It wasn't much. Well, first of all, uh, again, Full House, very important to my childhood development as a show. Again, didn't uh, that was that was one of the, the big ones. 
Um, Lori Laughlin, a national treasure, just as a result of that. <laughs> uh, I think she was. I think it was a two month sentence that she actually received. Mm. So I think she started her sentence. Uh, I think this was actually last year, October thirtieth, um, and it was a two month sentence. So Aunt Becky from Full House in prison. <laughs> yeah. So the the interesting thing now a Full House episode as well. I just throwing that <laughs> the, out there. The the interesting thing for this week is that the first two folks who didn't plead. So federal court is is scary for attorneys and non attorneys. You know, if you're charged in federal court, they they usually have something on you. That doesn't mean you're guilty just because you get charged. But the uh, the federal folks don't usually indict for for no reason. Um, they've usually done a pretty thorough investigation, and so. And if something gets charged in federal court, a lot of times, if you're just arbitrarily just looking at the news, you're going to see a lot of these folks plead because the penalties are usually really steep and uh, and people don't want to take the chance. And so you see a lot of these plea deals uh, are folks cooperating to get their sentences down because what I was reading, the maximum punishment for the, the 10. So there's 10 defendants left who are going to go on trial and two went on trial this past week and they were found guilty their maximum sentence is is 20 years and that's maximum they won't shouldn't get 20 years i think most of them have clean records so they're probably looking in that one to three year range but they these folks have resources and so the two folks that got convicted this week uh one's a former casino executive one was a private equity investor those folks have some uh as alabama would say they have some they have some coin they got a little jingle in their pockets so they're going to they're going to appeal this and they're going to and they're going to fight it uh, but I, I spent some time reading about what was going on at trial and, you know, unanimous jury. They didn't convince anybody to to say they were innocent. So not a good sign for the folks that uh, still have trial coming up. Yeah, I don't know that any of these people, I, I don't know that any of them like really took a lot of precautions when they were going through this process and, you know, covering their tracks and really trying to hide. I think this was pretty blatant. I think it was and you can see with the number of people charged, I think it was fairly widespread among the individuals that were doing it. And, and again, it just it just shows you the, the the mindset of a lot of that upper class and upper echelon of society and and the way that they thought. And I, and I think they've got a lot of these folks kind of dead to rights in a sense. And um, yeah, like you said, man, it's a lot of folks being charged. Uh, it, it's interesting to look at the, the the dynamic between those that are taking these plea deals and the ones that are are choosing to to push it and fight it. And it really kind of highlights. The, the way that the criminal justice system works and, and, you know, that the dynamic between taking that plea deal and, and choosing to, to, you know, really go to trial and, and take your chances with, with a jury. I didn't watch full house. I don't think I ever saw much full house. I know the kids got into the fuller house when it came out on, uh, on Netflix. Did you watch that Joe? Did you go all in on fuller? I house? got a kid. I, not, not all in man, not even half in. I may, I maybe not even a quarter in. I, ha- I have young kids myself. They enjoyed it, but Full House was a uh, back when I was a child. Josh, we had a TGIF, and right, uh, right. it was the whole lineup. You had Family Matters, Step by Step, Full House, um, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, maybe the best of the the TGIF really? shows. Uh, no, but uh, oh, I got a right. soft spot for uh, <laughs> I got a soft spot for Mr. Cooper. But uh, yeah, a lot of I've seen a lot of Full House, man. I mean, it was just the thing when you were when you were a kid my age. It was on constantly, and when it got into syndication, you watched it constantly. Big Bob Saget fan too, by the way. You know, he's funny. If you ever catch him with the the stand up, you know his stand up's a little on the raunchy side, but he's a funny guy. 
Yeah, he's drastically different from his Full House character, which is just like a squeaky clean suburban single father. So very, very interesting to watch his stand up because you're right, man. It's very it's what they would call blue comedy. Mm hmm. I guess we're supposed to know who Felicity Huffman is, but I have to admit I don't really know who that is. But I'm, that's an actress. You know who that is? Yeah, that's yeah, Fe- yeah. She's Felicity Huffman, an actress. Josh, what do you do in your your time? You just watch The Simpsons and then I read Mad the Magazine. I mix it up with Seinfeld and I read my Mad Magazine, and that's how so, I get all my pop culture. So Felicity was in Desperate Housewives, correct? And looking at the sentencing, she got two weeks. So apparently Lori Laughlin, the two months, I mean, I guess she was more egregious uh, in in that situation. But you guys brought up a really good point. They were acting like, you know, they weren't going to get caught. And it wasn't like they were trying to hide too much of this. So it tells you possibly that this has been going on for quite some time. Uh, you know, having uh, people of means getting their kids into school of their choice. But we all know, I mean, your, your, your kids probably aren't old enough yet, but they're going to get to that point where the stress of getting into college is going to really impact them and probably impact you. Uh, so you can kind of see how they can get a little bit carried away trying to keep up with the Joneses. Oh, my kid's going to Southern Cal. Oh, my kid's going to Cal Berkeley, that kind of thing. No, I totally well, get it, Morgan. I get it completely. Uh, the pressure's there, and that's why – that's why I've got all my children t- training 14 hours a day uh, to be <laughs> Division One college athletes. I think that's the answer, Joseph. I think between me and you, we got seven kids that need to. Uh, in the next what I got a I got a 12 year old, so in the next what four or five years, it's become a big deal. But yeah, I, I, you know, I wonder if these people just thought they were above the law, like they get painted by media, or they just didn't really understand that this was illegal. That's what I. That's what I'm gonna think. I was like, I think since they were so careless about it, they maybe they knew it wasn't right necessarily, but I don't think they knew it was this, it would amount to fraud and it would, it would be this illegal. That's my guess. Yeah. That's my assumption as well. And I think it, it really speaks to the fact that once you reach a certain point and you have a certain amount of income, you get to a certain level of society. I think you just think differently and there are certain things that you just don't necessarily consider to be an issue because again you you almost feel like you're untouchable you're almost above the law to an extent and i don't even know that your brain computes that some of these things may be an issue for you but as we have seen going to be an issue for several several people the outlaw lawyers josh whitaker joe hamer you can find them at whitaker and hamer law firm they're the managing partners there 46 combined years experience they've got offices in raleigh garner clayton goldsboro and fuquay verena and soon to be in gastonia if you've got a legal question of your own that pertains to what you're going through give us a call 800-659-1186 800-659-1186 leave a message and your number obviously and a lawyer will be back in touch with you from those offices, and you can have that discussion. You can also email questions to this program, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com, and please check out our website, theoutlawlawyer.com. Coming up next, we're going to get into the case of Robert Kelly, R. Kelly, famous R&B singer. We'll talk about a long timeline of issues.
The Outlaw Lawyers on the air, and Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, they're the Outlaw Lawyers. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, the managing partners there, 46 combined years experience, and again, offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, and Fuquay, Verena, and soon to be in Gastonia. If you got your own legal question and you can't find the answer for it, well, guess what? The firm can. 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your name and number, detailed message, and someone will be back in touch with you. You can also email the program, your very question, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We'll use it on an upcoming show. Well, guys, uh, R. Kelly's been all over the news for the last 20 years, and uh, he's he's back in the news again. I, You know, I was surprised when I went back and, and looked at this. It's always been on the periphery. R. Kelly, I think, came to – I think it was R. Kelly. And when I was growing up in the 90s, it was R. Kelly and the public announcement. That's how, that's how R. Kelly came out. And so I remember uh, Hey Love was a song that was real popular when I was in high school. And I can't remember what song it was. Well, back then, Joseph, you don't, you probably don't remember this, but back then, you tapes, right? That's what we had. We had tapes. The CD had just come out. You didn't have a CD player in your car, so you still bought tapes in high school. Look, man. Unless you were really rich. Maybe I'm a young, I didn't I'm have a younger, a younger man. I'm a younger man. I'll give you that. I remember tapes, man. I remember cassette tapes. <laughs> I, 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 I still vividly remember the the times when you would have to take a cassette player and and press record while the radio was playing on a separate okay. uh, stereo to to have like if you wanted to make a mixtape so i go back that to that that level i still have I was going through some old stuff in, in the attic the other day and i have like 16 unopened space jam cassette tapes um so that's an R. Kelly, of course. I believe I can fly. No Morgan mentioned it earlier. One of his really broke him into the mainstream type of hits. But yeah, I, I go back to that. And if you need an unopened Space Jam soundtrack <laughs> cassette tape, I've got several of them for you. Well, I was going to tell you. You know, I came up. I came up in Garner, and in Garner, when when I was in high school, on uh, I can't remember. Was it Tuesdays or Thursdays when new tapes came out? I can't remember. I think it was Thursday. But uh, when new tapes came out, everybody knew that day. And so there was a place that sold tapes, a tape store. I don't know what you would call it uh, down here called Starship. And so that's where you went the day. And then you we didn't have a lot of money. We're high school kids. So we would get the, you know, the cassette singles. Right. You didn't want to buy the whole tape all the time. So you'd get a single and they had maxi singles. Right. That had a couple of songs on there. And so I don't remember what song it was of R. Kelly's that I bought because it wasn't important. But the B-side was a jazz version of your body's calling. And I'm going to go ahead and say, if you take nothing else from this show today, number one, me and Joe are attorneys and we can help you with your legal needs. That's the first thing that you should take from the show. But number two is if you've never heard the jazz version of your body's calling by R Kelly, I'm assuming you can still get that. They haven't taken him off of Apple and all that stuff, but you should listen to that song. I'm making a note all right. right now for, for future research purposes. And I will, I will do that, Josh. So R. Kelly's always been, you know, he's been around since I was in high school and he kept making music into the 2000s. And then I kind of fell off, uh, you know, in, in for some of that time. So I wasn't following him, but I've always known who R. Kelly was. He's always been around and you've always heard kind of rumors about him. Uh, things have come up, I guess, in popular culture that kind of maybe were clues that something wasn't right. But I found an article that kind of went through the whole timeline going back to 96 of every time he's been sued, every time he's been charged. And and what I took from this, because people ask me about this case all the time, and it's not something I've kept up with, man, there was a lot of stuff going on. 
there's a ton of stuff going on, man. I mean, you've got you did exhaustive research, and your research starts in '96. But but the the first I actually heard, and the first that you know it it really entered into popular culture, R. Kelly issues with potential underage women uh, was uh, Aaliyah. Aaliyah, you know, also famous uh, R&B singer, taken far too young. She passed away, plane accident, uh, way younger than she should have, very talented. And he actually married Aaliyah in 94 uh, when in an illegal ceremony when she was actually 15 years old. And, and it's wild to think about, man, because you don't, you know, it was a while, while ago. You know, you want to say times maybe were a little different, but but not really in the sense that, you know, uh, an adult male marrying a 15 year old child was ever looked at as something that was okay. But a lot of his kind of grooming of Aaliyah and the things he did with her was kind of done in the public eye in a sense. And he, it's almost like he got a pass on that. Yeah. I saw 96 was one of the first times he was sued for emotional distress. So it was, it sounds like it was someone he met when they were 15 and, and at this, you know, when she was fifteen, he was twenty four. So yeah, yeah. So she was she was underage, and they had some sort of relationship. Which again, Joseph, that was that's not okay now, and that was not okay in nineteen ninety five. So that's just never, never been okay. And she sued him for a lot of money, and she ended up settling. And you know, another topic one day maybe talking about these non disclosure agreements because it sounds like maybe she signed a non disclosure agreement as part of that settlement, and you never really heard much else from it, but. You know, the same thing kind of happens in 2001 and 2000 and two that these people are just popping up these uh, these uh, ladies and suing for kind of the same thing. Yeah, it, it's a real pattern. and It's a real, real long pattern. And, you know, you always kind of heard rumblings of it. But, uh, yeah, like you said, it, it, if anything, the, the one common theme in all of these cases is you'd have something happening. You'd have, you know, some kind of incident with R. Kelly, and we could go through and, and give a painstaking summary in great detail, but it's almost difficult to talk about on the radio because a lot of these accusations and a lot of the things he did, like, you can't even, they're, they're kind of grotesque to the point where how do you even frame them and how do you even discuss them? Uh, and, and it's just a, it's a tricky subject to get into, especially on, on the radio when we could have some young outlaw lawyer listeners uh, on this program. Well, I think we can safely refer everybody to that episode of the Chappelle show where Dave Chappelle, uh, kind of, <laughs> kind of really brought <laughs> some of these things that, uh, that happened in the early two thousands kind of out into the, the public view and it's hysterical. Yeah. That was, a, that's an all time classic, uh, episode of Chappelle show. And, um, and he really does a great job of summarizing of really summarizing, you know, that I, for anyone who's not a Chappelle show fan, the, the context of that. He did a couple things. He just did a one-off music video, and then he did he did a sketch where basically uh, he was talking about what what level of evidence would have to be presented to him <laughs> to make him believe R. Kelly uh -huh. was was guilty of these things. And I think since then we've seen substantial evidence uh, that points to the fact that R. Kelly, in fact, was guilty of that and several worse things. I mean, you've got a lot of you've got a lot of legitimate documented evidence, like videotaped evidence of these things. Um, that that have really come out over time. I mean, crazy allegations, man, of basically turning individuals into slaves to an extent, like you know, basically just treating them as objects and, and terrorizing these people. And it happened to so many women over time. Um, but like you said, man, the, the, a lot of non-disclosure agreements, and that almost would be a good topic just for its own separate show because the common theme in all of these cases is at the end someone gets paid and signs an NDA. 
And, and I mean, I think that has a lot to do with why we haven't really seen true criminal action taken against him until this point, because a lot of those things kind of, you'd hear the rumblings, but these people would sign these NDAs and then you'd, they'd settle with them. You wouldn't hear anything else about it. The, the video, the Chappelle show kind of seizes on, you know, that did result in criminal charges. So I think in, uh, 2002, uh, uh, Illinois, uh, charged him 21 22 counts of of the kind of stuff that goes along with the with the kind of making that video with an underage person and and that went on for five or six years before a jury uh did not charge him so they found him not guilty and i think they tied i think the jury tied it to where the they couldn't prove the 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 ladies involved were uh, the girls involved were underage so i i didn't follow that trial very much at all uh, but that was, that was on them for a long time. And so then the most recent things come up, um, because people break non-disclosure agreements. So that's how everything, uh, kind of came to fruition. We had some people speaking out, uh, who were subject to a non-disclosure and broke it. And, and that's kind of how the final, you know, I think it was like nine counts of sex trafficking. And, and I didn't watch the documentary. Did you see that? No, I didn't watch the documentary. Um, I've heard I've heard it's wild. I can only imagine that it is. But um, one thing I, I did I did see an article and it was interesting to me. R. Kelly's album sales grown over five hundred percent after his conviction. Wow, that's what do you take from that? Well, I, here's what you take from it, man. You, you, we we had this conversation in a cla- in a f- past classic outlaw lawyer episode. We talked about Bill Cosby. We talked about separating the artist from their personal life and the act. Um, and I think this is a prime example of people doing that. You know, a lot of people just kind of choosing to overlook, you know, separating this person's personal deeds from the, the terrible things that they did. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's a testament to the fact that regardless of how horrible of a human being he may be, uh, he did make music that spoke to people, man. He made music that, that people enjoyed over a long period of time. Um, but it, it's interesting to think about, if nothing else. Guys, in summation, uh, where does it stand now? How many years? I mean, he was convicted, correct? He was, he was convicted. He was convicted on all counts. I think it was, uh, it was nine or ten counts of, of trafficking. I don't know that I've seen where he's been sentenced yet. So if that's happened, I've missed it. Um, a lot of times in, in federal court, you don't get sentenced right away. Uh, that gets set for a later date. So if he's been sentenced, I missed it. I don't think he's been he's, sentenced. He's, he's, he's not been sentenced. He's, he's potentially facing life. Uh, I mean, I think it's safe to say. We make these bold predictions. R. Kelly is not in for a very good time. Uh, he, he's going to have a bad time. He's, gonna, he's, going to, he's going to jail for an extended period of time. I think that's a, a fairly safe bet to make. I think he's got some state charges in, in other places waiting on him, too. I think there's some pending charges in Florida that have to get sorted out. So he's even once he gets the sentence, he's not in the he's not done. The Outlaw Liars with Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. Guys, what's coming up next? Up next, we're going to talk about the real housewives of Beverly Hills. Thomas Girardi, uh, kind of what he's going through right now, which was all news to me. The Outlaw Liars, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. You can find Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, the managing partners there. 46 combined years experience. Again, offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, and Fuquay Verena, and soon to be in Gastonia. If you've got your own legal question, 
guess what? We've got a number for you, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact information and a little bit about what you've got a question about. And an attorney from Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. You can also email the program questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We'll use the question on an upcoming show. The Outlaw Lawyer on the air, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, they're the managing partners there. 46 combined years experience between these two. They've got offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, and Fuquay, Verena. And if you've got your own legal question, here's the number for you, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your name, number, and obviously what you're dealing with, and an attorney uh, will be in touch with you very shortly. Questions at theoutlawlawyer.com, a great Great way to get in touch with the program. We'll use those questions on an upcoming program. And check out the website, theoutlawlawyer.com. Gentlemen, we've got a couple more segments left before we end this show this week. What's up next? Joe, I, I wanted to know, Joe, you, you, you're a sta- you like stand-up comedy. You see some stand-up comedians, right? That's correct, Josh. All right. So I've been trying to find stand-up comedians that, that as we talked about earlier, don't work blue. Some clean stand-up comedians. My 12-year-old likes stand-up comedy, and so we've been watching a lot of uh, clean stand-up comedians. So one of the ones that I allow him to watch is uh, uh, Jim Gaffigan, a super squeaky clean, funny guy, stand-up comedian. But I, I assume you're familiar with the works of uh, Mr. Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, yes, I am familiar with the works of Jim Gaffigan. So he has, in one of his specials, he talks about what McDonald's is. He talks a lot about food, <laughs> as you might be aware. McDonald's is is kind of the bare bottom of, of food. But everybody, you know, they're selling a billion cheeseburgers a day. So, you know, people might not admit they eat at McDonald's, but somebody's eating a lot of McDonald's. And so then he starts talking about maybe you don't eat at McDonald's, but maybe you read People magazine. That's your McDonald's. So he starts equating different entertainment options to to McDonald's, and the reason I'm, I'm going into this is because this, our topic here has to do with something I don't watch. Again, not demeaning anyone. The Real Housewives of, of whatever. I guess there's five or six of them. But I would a imagine... Couple things, a couple of things, man, to follow up on what you're saying. The people eating McDonald's, that's me. That's I'm the people. <laughs> um, I'm personally offended by, by that. Uh, <laughs> the sausage biscuits call to me, man. And... Uh, so I'm, I'm a little triggered by, by that. But um, second thing, clean comedians, check out, uh, tell your kid to check out Brian Regan, maybe the best of the clean comedians. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Nate. And, Nate and third thing, also don't watch The Real Housewives. So I, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to help you a whole ton. Have seen Aaron Brockovich, though. I know that that ties in here. I know you didn't see that because you've seen three movies in your entire life. But uh I have seen Aaron Brockovich, so I can pull on my, my, my minor Aaron Brockovich knowledge, if need be, to, to pull us through. You are correct. I have not seen Aaron Brockovich. Now, I have seen the end of it, uh, just walking in or catching it on TNT and waiting for something else to come on. So I've seen the end, and I'm pretty sure Mad Magazine did a treatment of it. So I, I, think, I, I think I know what's going on uh, for the most part. But So Thomas Girardi was the attorney who was uh, kind of behind – Uh, the story in Aaron Brockovich. He's a California attorney, lots of big, big multi-million dollar settlements has done real well for himself over in California is is a legend. 
but he's basically, uh, from everything that I can read, although there's no criminal charges pending right now, and I think that's important. There's an investigation, but I couldn't find any evidence of any criminal charges pending. Uh, but has allegedly stole millions and millions and millions, tens of millions of dollars, if not more, from his clients. And and I, I can't figure out. There's not a whole lot of information available. I don't know how you do that. I mean, I don't know how you take this much money from people. And, and I mean, he's he's in his 80s, right? I mean, he's late 70s, early 80s. He's been doing this for a while. It just seemed amazing to me the more I started reading about this. Yeah, you know, again, a lot of allegations. He is being sued right now uh, in federal court by a group of actually orphans and widows who say that he embezzled uh, $2 million of their money that they scored in a settlement with Boeing. And, um, you know, I, I don't personally know Mr. Girardi, but I, I think it's I think it's safe to say, Josh, that if you're going to steal millions from orphans and widows, you're, you're not a very good guy, man. You're, that's a uh, Disney-level bad guy there. I mean, you're that's as bad as it gets. It, it, it's bad, man, and uh, you know there's a lot of smoke there. It's not just it's not just that. There's there's a lot of former clients of Girardi who've come out and who've basically uh, said that a lot of money that was due to them has kind of just vanished and disappeared. And you know we we are attorneys here on the Outlaw Lawyer uh, by by trade. That's what we do in our daily lives. And one piece of advice I can give any other fellow attorneys that listen to this show, or really anyone is the one thing you don't want to do as an attorney, maybe the number one thing above all other things, is get into the practice of, of taking your client's money or doing anything anything impermissible whatsoever with your trust account. Well, it's real interesting. The more I read about his career and where he's at now, it, it sounds like he, he legitimately suffers from some sort of uh, dementia or, or, or maybe undiagnosed Alzheimer's. I couldn't really, in my research, get down to the bottom of it, but he's his assets were put in, a con, uh, uh, you know, put in kind of a trust to manage. He's he's filed bankruptcy. It looked like he was in assisted assisted living at a, like an Alzheimer's facility. So definitely some cognitive decline for sure. Um, and I, I can't tell how long he's been. You know, again, he hadn't been even charged with anything. But if he has stolen this money, I don't know how long it's been going on. But the reason I get asked this question a lot is because uh, I know a lot of people who watch this show, and they ask me. Uh, about I guess his wife, who is Erica Jane, who also I have no idea who that is. I had to I had to look at her Wikipedia page, um, <laughs> but apparently she's uh, this is something that's talked about on the show, is what I gather. This case that's going on. Well, yeah, you put eight you put eight women in the lineup, uh, and and tell me to point out Erica Jane with a gun to my head, and I'm going to be in trouble, man. Well, guys, just for your own uh, education, take a wild guess, and again, I just did a rough search. Um, how many franchises there are for Real Housewives. So different different locations. These are reality shows, and I know a lot of our listeners are probably in tune with this, but just take a wild guess because we've all heard of Orange County, uh, but there are, there are others. Take a wild guess how many. I'm going to say I'm going to say seven. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say seven too. That's what I had in my head. Okay. All right. Well, here we go. Orange County. Beverly Hills, Orange County, obviously in Los Angeles, Beverly Hills neighborhood, uh, New Jersey, Atlanta, New York City, D.C., offshoot of that, Potomac, Dallas, Salt Lake, and number 10, Miami. Wow. 
God bless, man. That's a lot. I guess I guess when you when you get something that works, there. I mean, there's no shortage of real housewives, right? Like they're they're bountiful. They're everywhere. So you find a place with real housewives in it. You make the show, and you're you're golden, man. I mean, who can who can blame them? It's a solid business model. You know, a local a local TV station should just you could basically do that like county by county, town by town. You probably get a lot of people to watch. Real Housewives of Fuquay. Yeah. Real Housewives <laughs> of Johnston County would be a smash hit. And the vein like, of ah! lizard lick towing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Look, I think we need to cut this. Uh, we don't need to give anybody this idea. We need to run with this idea. So we need to cut this from the show. Okay. And we'll, so we we'll haven't take it out. sparked any. We'll yeah. take it out. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, what we'll do is we are going to wrap up this portion of the program, come back, and we will uh, have a couple more discussions, preview what's coming up the following week, and then we'll wrap it up. The Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, they're the managing partners there. 46 combined years of experience. Again, offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, and Fuquay, Verena, and maybe soon to come, a franchise of uh, Real Housewives. We'll see. If you've got a legal question, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. You can also email questions to the show. We'll use them on upcoming episodes. Questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. And check out the website, theoutlawlawyer.com. The Outlaw Lawyers on the air with Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. They are your hosts, the managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate. Whitaker and Hamer offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, and Fuquay, Verena. If you've got a legal question, uh, you can call this number, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. You can also email questions to the program, and we'll use them in upcoming episodes. Questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. But we get into everything, family law, criminal and traffic, personal injury, estate planning, administration, real estate closing. And we go into the hot topics of the day, which we've had some fun with today, guys. Yeah, I'm glad we got a chance to talk about those cases. Uh, and and again, I I didn't know about some of them, so it was good to like look at them and, and see what was going on. I need to pay more attention to stuff like that. But uh, uh, Morgan, I got one listener question. Okay, that's all we're gonna have time for today. So I've got one listener question. Um, and so we our listener question. I always kind of revise these a little bit to make them more general and 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 vague. But uh, one of my friends refers to himself as a free trader instead of as a separated man. What does this mean? Um, and so I don't know how many people run into that, but Joe, what's a, what's a free trader here in North Carolina? I'll tell you what, it sounds like your friend is a cool guy. That's a start. <laughs> Anybody who just comes out is like, yeah, you know, I'm a free trader. That's how I identify. Um, so yeah, you know, basically in the context of, of North Carolina law, uh, anyone who is referred to as a free trader, it basically means that they've executed some form of you know, prenuptial or antenuptial, as we would call it, agreement, basically establishing themselves as, like we say, a free trader, someone who uh, has the ability to own property separate from their spouse. Because, you know, North Carolina, the way that the North Carolina law operates in the absence of a free trader agreement, and there are some nuances to this, but the vast majority of the property that you, you own or acquire after your marriage is going to be considered marital property. It's going to be property that's going to be kind of you know, owned jointly by you and your spouse, execution of this free trader agreement, or like we said, if it's a prenuptial, you know, there's a few different formats it can take. But but that agreement is going to allow the individual who executes it and their spouse as well to own property separately 
uh, and, and it not be kind of looked at as something that's jointly owned by both of the parties. Yeah, exactly, Joe. It's an agreement. It's a it's a contract. And, and like you said, a, a prenuptial uh, agreement before you get married, you can agree that any property you acquire, we call it after acquired property, property you acquire after marriage is just your it's in your soul name. And so you can limit what your spouse has an interest in if you do it right, right before you can do it after it's, you get married, it's a little trickier. But um, and of course, if you get separated, uh, if an attorney prepares your separation agreement, there's probably going to be some free trader language. But basically, there's a statute in North Carolina. And if you follow the statute, it would allow you if everybody agrees, can't do this without your spouse's uh, signature. Um, so it's it's something every you know, everybody in the relationship has to be on board with, but you can operate as a free trader. And so a lot of people, again, We'll do it ahead of time if they've already got substantial assets before they get married and they want to keep those separate. You can kind of pick and choose what's a marital asset and what isn't as you as you go along. A lot of times it comes up when when folks are getting separated. So if there's going to be a divorce um, going forward, you know, you got marital assets behind you. But going forward, most people who are getting separated want to be able to, to live their life as if they were not married, buy a new house, you know, whatever you're going to do. And so you can agree then to be a be a free trader. And it's kind of a weird name. I can't think of a better name for it. Um, but free trader always kind of strikes me even now, some 20 years into this uh, law practice as kind of an odd name for this. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's important to note you can separate from your spouse w- without the need for this free trader. You, you'll be separated. But the, the free trader comes into play and it becomes necessary when you start talking about you know, property rights and, and the division of property and making sure that you can actually own property that you acquire after that point without having that marital interest being tacked onto it. And so this is, you know, Joe and I are practicing attorneys in North Carolina, licensed only in North Carolina. We're always be glad to talk to you or help you. When we talk here on the outlaw lawyer, we're always talking in generalities. We're not giving you any personalized advice. Uh, that's what a free trader is. If you have any questions or concerns, give the firm a call, give the show a call, talk to your attorney, uh, but but that's what a free trader is, and it's a lot of people don't know it exists. Folks, we have wrapped up the Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. 46 combined years of experience between these two. And again, offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, and Fuquay, Verena. If you've got a legal question uh, pertaining to you, we'll give this number a call, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Or you can email questions to the show. We'll use them in future programs, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. And please check out the website, theoutlawlawyer.com. And tune in next week for another episode of The Outlaw Lawyer. Outlaw Lawyer is hosted by an attorney licensed to practice law in North Carolina. Some of the guests appearing on this show may be licensed North Carolina attorneys. Discussion of this show is meant to be general in nature and in no way should the discussion be interpreted as legal advice. Legal advice can only be rendered once an attorney licensed in the state in which you live had the opportunity to discuss the facts of your case with you. The attorneys appearing on the show are speaking in generalities about the law in North Carolina and how these laws affect the average North Carolinian. If you have any questions about the content of the show, contact us directly.